want to share a little story about uh, Elijah in uh, First Kings, in chapter 19. The reason I want to share this story is because when the Bible talks about um, Elijah in the New Testament, it says that he was uh, a man of faith, and that when he would pray, God heard his prayers, he prayed fervently, man of faith, and we see the powerful move of God in Elijah's life because he, he leaned upon the Lord and he was a powerful prophet in the days when uh, most of God's people's hearts were going astray. And yet, the Bible says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So it, it relates Elijah to the same you know, weakness and the same body and the same emotions and, and tests that we all have. Yet that's something about Elijah that pleased God was that he was a man of faith. And in his faith, God was able to do mighty things with Elijah. One of the things that we see he did just prior to chapter 19 was that God used him to turn the hearts of, of his people back to, to God because they were their hearts were divided. They were serving God, but yet they were also serving the bales of the land. And, and that today is like Jesus said, you can't serve two masters, right? You can't serve God and you can't serve money. You can't serve God and you can't serve, you know, another idol. Whatever that idol might be, could be a person, could be a thing, could be some hope that we have that's outside of Christ. But nevertheless, all those things, the Baals and the gods of the land were dividing um, the people's heart. And Elijah was sent by God to pray and send a famine. And so God heard his prayer and it was dry. And see, God uses difficult circumstances to turn people's hearts back to him. So sometimes God allows that even in our life to teach us something, whether it's a repentance of things that is outward sin or it's God showing us things, like in Job's case where he was a righteous man yet he knew nothing against himself, but God was able to use his sickness and infirmity to draw him closer to God. In the end of his life, he repented and said, Lord, I have heard of you with my ears, but now I see you with my eyes and I'm, I'm repenting because I was, I was grumbling, complaining, not understanding your ways. But your ways are perfect and I thank you for them. And in that, God uh, brought about a change in his nature. So God used Elijah to allow a famine to come to bring people through dire situations where they were hungry and there was widows in those days and we see a woman who would, by faith was able to give her last was it bread cake or meal to, to the prophet? And God saw that and did a miracle for her. So now here's Elijah, okay? Here's a man of God, and God uses him mightily, and he does an um, amazing sign where he prays and, and uh, it, it stops raining, and then he prays again, and it rains again. But in the midst of that, he even calls down fire from heaven and witnesses that God indeed is the true God, and people see it and they repent. So right after this, Okay, what happens is we see from this that the enemy comes immediately to, to tempt Elijah with discouragement. So this is a, an example for us that I think every one of us has battled with um, discouragement at times in our life. And there's different situations that can bring about discouragement in our life. And in this case, for Elijah, it was right after a high time in his life. Like God had done a great thing and you could just be so encouraged and so excited and just see how God uses you. Yet I think that God sometimes allows Satan to go and sift people right after those very times, probably 
I would think, to keep them humble, perhaps, and to test them. Because God knows that here's a man of you know, faith and praise, and God sees, man, he's, he's, he has faith to pray and do wonderful things. But now I'm going to test him and see, does he trust me in the most terrible times right after that? And does he know that the same God who calls down fire is the same God can deliver a man from discouragement? Which is greater, to believe, to have faith that God can bring fire from heaven or that God can discourage you, uh, lift you out of discouragement? This is the difference between Old Covenant and New Covenant. right? Because Elijah had power to pray and stop, shut up the heavens and to bring fire down from heaven. But one thing, one area where he found, fell short of was he ended up finding himself in a place of total discouragement, wanting to die. Now, that's the same temptation that can come to any man, especially Christmas time. Do you know when a lot of people think of suicide in, during Christmas time? <clears throat> because on that day, everybody's spending time with family and waiting for the phone calls and encouragement, and someone doesn't get that love, someone gets discouraged, someone's waiting for the phone call, and it doesn't happen, and the enemy comes and says, no one loves you, and discouragement wants to come, and they want to end their life. This happens, very common thing this time of year. Many people commit suicide. But here's Elijah, he, he's a man of God, and he's thinking, I want to die. You guys know the story when, uh, right after he does this thing, and he kills all the prophets of Jezebel, Jezebel hears about it, and she says, I'm going to kill this man. She said, so be it. May the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. I mean, he heard those words, and he got the fear in him. And he ran, it says he ran, verse 3, he was afraid and rose and ran for his life. Now think of that, you know, a man who had power to shut the heavens, call down fire, kill hundreds of prophets with one sword because of the fear that was on them because of what God could do. One woman put the terror in him. The devil was able to shake him. His knees running just to the point of ending his life. And we need to recognize this is one of the schemes. You know, the, the scripture says that we're supposed to be aware of the schemes of the devil. And one of his biggest schemes is discouragement because discouragement leaves people without hope. And when we lose hope, we lose faith. And when we're robbed of our faith, that's when sin and, and all kinds of thoughts can come into our mind, even to the point of suicide, a person ending their own life. And of course we know that that would, that would lead to destruction because we can't please God if we have thoughts like that. We can't please God if we don't love our neighbor as ourselves or love God that way. And so here's Elijah coming to the end of himself and he ends up running into the wilderness, trying to run away and escape and hide and flee from his life. And he ends up sitting under this juniper tree. And it says in verse 4 that he requested for himself that he might die. He's asking God, please, let me die. I mean, that is like, that is serious discouragement. Okay, so we can look at this scripture and say, what happened here? Because how can a man with such faith, I think this is why James could say, hey guys, look at this man of faith. But by the way, he's a man like you and me. Do you remember how he got so discouraged he wanted to kill himself? Like, not kill himself, but... Ask God, just let me die. And uh, then I see that, wow, like this is a serious, serious thing here. Overcoming discouragement, God wants us to have faith for that. To believe that God can save us out of that. So then he was there, and I tell you that God even sees our, our weaknesses and he cares for us, and he, he helps us in that place. And a lot of times, discouragement can come from after a, a moment of victory in our life, 
The enemy can come and test you to attack, and God may allow it. Discouragement sometimes can come after just after a failure, or falling into sin, or just falling short, and, and then just get buffeting of thoughts of condemnation. This is what you've done. That's what the accuser of the brother does. He just condemns and brings defeat so that we don't get up. He wants us to stay down. Sometimes it can come just because of physical exhaustion or emotional uh, exhaustion or just maybe loneliness or you know, emotionally, spiritually, physically. All these things can affect a person or even sickness. We've talked about how I know many brothers and sisters, when, when we're sick, we get easily discouraged because we don't have natural strength. We don't have the ability to do things that we, we want to do. And so all these things weigh on us. They become weights. And so we come to the point where we just have to cry out to God. And even Paul, when he was there uh, going through many persecutions and afflictions and even physical infirmities, Apostle Paul, you read in 2 Corinthians 12, he was praying to God, Lord, please take this from me. He was, I'm sure he must have battled that temptation of discouragement. But Paul being in the New Testament, he found what James says is a greater grace. He found in that place what Elijah at that time, didn't find. What Paul found was he said, he kept praying, he didn't pray once. You know, Elijah prayed seven times for the rain, but when he got discouraged, he, he never prayed about that. He just said, let me die. That's, that was the mistake there. In the old, but Paul, in the New Testament, having the Holy Spirit and knowing the power of Christ, he said, Father, he said, if it's possible, take this thorn out of my flesh. It's, this thing is bothering me. It's like, if you have a thorn in your flesh, it just describes something that irritates you day in and day out. If you, if you walked around with a thorn in your foot every day, you would just be tired of it. You would just want to go to the doctor and, and just have it dealt with. And it would discourage you because you, you would feel like, I can't do what I want to do. So Paul, what did he do? He prayed once. He prayed twice. He prayed three times until he got an answer. Does it mean we have to pray three times? It just meant the third time God answered him because he was praying in faith. How many times did Elijah have to pray before the rain came? Seven times. So why does God allow, why does God do that? Did, maybe you pray for something and it doesn't happen right away. Does that mean that God's not answering? Why does God do that? Why does he test us? So one guy prays seven times, another man prays three times. So how many times do we pray? Is it seven or three? We pray with faith until God gives us an answer. That's what we do. Seven is the perfect number. Three times, that's the perfect number too. It's just whatever is right for you. We pray and we don't lose heart. That's what the Bible says. You know what Jesus said to the disciples when they were getting discouraged? He said about the, par- the parable of the persistent widow. He says, Jesus shared these things with the disciples that they may not lose heart. And he taught them about praying. Because praying is the spiritual weapon we use to overcome discouragement. That is how we overcome and what's the, the weapons that the enemy uses? Self-pity and just thoughts of defeat. And if we set our mind on those things and what we see, then what happens is we sink like Peter did. When Peter looked at the waves is when he sank. Now one interesting thing is, so Jesus in Matthew 8, he, he allowed the disciples to be tested when they were in the boat with the waves, right? Now one thing we know is this, that happened again a few chapters later in chapter 14, the same thing, they were in the boat, the waves came. This time Jesus was away. What was he doing? He was praying in the, in the mountains. And he told the disciples, go ahead, I'll meet you up later. They crossed the sea and Jesus had no boat. So what does Jesus do? He's praying and he says, I got to get over there. 
Father, there's no boat. I will walk on the water. And Jesus starts walking on the water. So then the disciples are there, and all this, this waves and things are happening, and then they see Jesus, and they're terrified. But this time, Peter, remembering what he heard the first time from Jesus, he thought, if Jesus is walking on the water, and I know that he has the power over the wind and the waves, then Lord, and they were scared, and, and Jesus said, take courage. What's the opposite of discouragement? It's encouragement, right? The, the word discourage means we lose our courage. So when Jesus saw Peter, and they were afraid, what did he say to them? He said, you take courage. Don't be, dis- don't be discouraged, don't be shaken. So take courage. And Peter saw Jesus, and remembering the first test, And seeing Jesus, he thought, okay, I'm going to pass. Lord, if it is you, let me walk on the water. We have to think of this, and this is amazing, because even though Peter himself had his weak points, we do see that he came to a greater faith than the other disciples at that point because he had a faith to walk on water. That's amazing. So all the elements against him, wanting to be discouraged, wanting to be afraid, he looks at the water, he thinks, Jesus has power over the water, I'm seeing him walking. And he steps out in faith and he begins to walk on the water. Now that there is, is a, a great miracle naturally, but I tell you that spiritually he was overcoming all the f- fears and the lies and the doubts that this is not possible. It's not possible. And when he looked to Jesus, he was defying gravity. That's, how, that's the kind of power we can have over discouragement when it weighs you down. Because discouragement wants to make you sink. And when we look to Jesus, we defy the, weight, the, the gravity of discouragement that wants to weigh you down. That's what the Bible teaches us. And so when Peter began to walk, and his faith was the victory over that moment of discouragement. He took courage, exactly as Jesus said. And But we see even Peter's weakness, that when he started walking, the enemy was telling him, you shouldn't be walking on this water. Just look at those waves. Just look at those, the wind. You're going to sink. And he started to listen to those thoughts. And he started to look. It says in the scripture, you read that Peter looked at the wind and the the waves, and it says he sank. So interesting how even where he looked affected what happened to his physical body. He began to sink. And then he cried out and said, Lord, I'm perishing. He knew that he was finished. And Jesus, in his mercy, reached out his hand and grabbed him and pulled him up, saved him. And so Peter, to the credit of his faith, we saw him walk on water. But at the same moment, we see how quickly, just like Elijah, can, can defy gravity, can call fire down heaven, and the next moment can sink to the lowest place. Peter walking on water, and a moment later, he's sinking to the ground. So what does that, if it ever happens to you, I mean, you can be encouraged one day, and then all of a sudden discouraged the next. You just remember those scriptures. And in your, in your discouragement... Remember what Peter did do is he cried out to Jesus. He said, have mercy on me. And Jesus will pick you up and lift you out of that discouragement if you call on his name. And then remember that it's your faith that causes you to stand. So here we see Elijah, and God is wanting to teach him something through this. So he was lying down by the juniper tree, and here he's, he's now run for his life in in the wilderness and he probably went a long time without food and water and he's physically exhausted so we talked about how discouragement can come physically on you and you're maybe you're tired and you're exhausted and then what happens when when temptation comes when you're tired and exhausted and you're overworked it's very hard to fight against sin it's 
because you're worn down. This is why Jesus said we have to watch and pray lest we enter into temptation. When we're weak like that, there can be more temptation. So here he is, and listen to what it says here. An angel, verse 5, appeared and said, and touching him, said to him, Arise and eat. Angel just touched him there and ministered to him and said, Look, behold, there at his head he baked a cake on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and laid down. So I, what I take from this is we can encourage people, you know, we can just bring them a little, a few cookies or a little something to eat, a little basket or something. And it's amazing. We can, maybe someone's discouraged you. Lord, what can I do? I think if an angel could encourage someone by giving them a little something to eat, that's simple enough for us to, to be able to encourage someone, right? Even God, think of this. Here's a man. I mean, God could do all, anything he wanted, but he, what does he do? He sends an angel and says, you need to eat. You're, just, you're tired. You're, just, you're weary. You're hungry. Here, just eat something. And he gives them something to eat. And that's what he does. Before he even says one word, think of this, right? In my mind, I say, here's the problem. This is what you need to do. Maybe you're struggling with some sin, you know. But do I think about, okay, I just need to, this person's tired. I need, this person needs some help. Naturally, Lord, help me to, how can I just show them that I care? How can I show them that I love them? And I, I bet you Elijah would have felt a little refreshment there, just eating that bread and eating that and drinking that water, just like, oh can just help renew the mind sometimes. Angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him again. So, you know what? It's not even enough an angel does it once. If, if an angel has to come twice and say, Lord, maybe I have to help my brother and my sister maybe two times, maybe three times. So even an angel had to touch him a second time and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. You need some more food. So twice an angel comes and gives him some food. We can learn from these things just naturally, physically. There's many things that can exhaust us. So then it says he rose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days. So I, from what I glean from that, it is when you give someone a little encouragement, whether it's a piece of bread or just some encouragement or visit, someone can, can go a long ways on that little encouragement. Right? 40 days this, he went on a little piece of, of bread and water. God can give you, uh, help you to be that encouragement to someone when you need it, when someone else needs it. That on a little bit of encouragement, that's amazing that if uh, one thought can cause someone to sink to, the, to a depth of discouragement by looking at their trial, even a little piece of bread, a little encouragement can do much more. It's like the sin of Adam versus the righteous act of Christ. Which one is greater? Right? One discouraging thought from someone, someone says something, someone experiences some rejection or someone uh, insults someone or hurts them and they feel discouraged. How do you get out of that? One person just says a word of encouragement to them or helps them, bless them, and it's like, it just takes the weight off. One little bit of It says he went 40 days on that piece of bread. That is amazing. So then he, there after getting this encouragement, he goes to a place kind of where it's like, he knows God is and you know where that is. That's Mount Sinai. He runs to the place where he knows this is where God will show up. And he, he lodges in the cave there. And while he's there, he's kind of trying to find out what God's allowing, all this stuff's happening. And then the Lord just asks him a, a question. And this is what he says. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> why are you here? Like, I strengthened you, and now he's, he's kind of running, but the Lord's saying, why are you here? And I like this because it's like the Lord going to the depths of the heart 
You know what happens when you're overwhelmed in the waves? It says deep cries unto deep. And that means that the Lord wants us to search our hearts to find out why am I discouraged? Why are you discouraged? Jesus, the Lord is, why are you here, Elijah? What are you running from? Are you, what are you, what kind of things are you believing in your head? And this is what he said. He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord. Lord, I'm doing everything I know and what to do. For the, for the host of, for God and the, of hosts, for the sons of Israel. He said, I tore down those altars. I killed the prophets. He said, I alone am left and they seek to kill my life and take it away. I'm the only one here. And a little bit of, you see self-pity here, don't you? Kind of like, I'm the only one that's serving you and I'm, everyone's trying to kill me and I'm the only one left. And he's kind of just talking to himself like this and God's saying, what are you, what are you doing? And he said, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And a mighty wind, a great strong wind came, rending the mountains and breaking the pieces of the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. It was like the Lord allowed this massive wind to come. It was so strong that it was breaking the rocks, but Elijah knew that God wasn't there. He wasn't even in that. And then it says there's an earthquake, a mighty earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't there either. And then after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Three supernatural events happened, you know? God had, Elijah had seen God send rain from heaven, he'd seen fire from heaven, and God was in all that. But this time, when he was trying to find God in some thing, he was like, God, I'm the only one left, everyone's after me. I think probably in his mind you think, if you could only just destroy this woman, send fire and destroy Jezebel, and all those evil people, wipe them out and fight for me, God. But God wasn't going to do all these things, and he's showing Elijah, I can send earthquakes, I can send fire. It's not like I can't do those things. It's like, Lord... Please take this thorn out of my flesh. Can he do it? Yeah, he can do that. He can take it. He, he can send earthquakes, fires, tornado, and he can do all those things. But what did, the, what did the Lord say to Paul? He said, no. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. I'm going to give you something better than that. I'm going to give you grace to overcome all those things. And when Paul realized he said this is for my good he said because if this wouldn't have happened i would become proud and conceited and i would be boasting and looking down and maybe judging others and i would lose the grace and the compassion of christ so when paul understood this he said praise the lord i thank the lord for my distresses and infirmities and all the insults and the persecutions and i thank the lord for all these things because now i see that he's using all this for my good to make me more dependent on God so that I can learn how to comfort others when I'm going through affliction. And I can say, when death works in me, life is working in you because I'm praying for you. When I'm weak, you're strong. You know, that's what Paul, that's how he lived. In his weakness and discouragement, he learned to find grace. And here's Elijah and God's showing him, no, I can, I can do signs and wonders and I can fix problems, but the Lord wasn't in any of those things, but then he heard something else. It says, and the Lord was not in the fire. In verse 12, after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle blowing wind. This time the wind was like so gentle. And I like it how it says the word gentle there because that speaks of the working of the Holy Spirit because Jesus said, when we're discouraged and when we're weary, what did he say? He said, come to me, all you who are 
weary and heavy laden. That's another word for discouragement, maybe. He said, and learn of me, for I am humble and gentle of heart. What kind of things do you think the Lord wants to teach us when we're heavy and weary? He wants to teach us of his gentleness and humility and that we can come to him and we can take his yoke. Because you know, when we're discouraged, what do we try and do? We're trying to bear our own weight of discouragement. And so we use, we, we think self-pity is one way to kind of get ourselves out. We try and actually look at ourselves and get feel sorry for ourselves because we think that'll make myself, it's a fleshly way of trying to make ourselves feel better about ourselves or want others to have com- comfort us rather than actually strengthening ourselves in the Lord. When the Lord came in a gentle wind, the Lord started speaking to him in that voice. So Elijah heard it. He wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. He wanted to go see what this was. Something was different now. Now the Lord is in this gentle. Sometimes the Lord speaks in his ways or not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways, it says. He said, again, same thing that he said the first time, but he wasn't listening. How do I know that? Because it didn't go into sink into his heart. He heard God say, what are you doing here? And he said, and what did he say? Lord, this is what I've done. This is what I've done. This is what I've done. Nobody's following you. I'm the only one. Did, the, did it sink into his heart? Not even, not even close. So the Lord sent an earthquake, fire, got his attention. Whoa, God. But he's not there. Then the voice comes. Now he's listening. He comes out and he says, what are you doing here? And then he kind of repeats the same thing. Lord, I've done all these things. I'm the only one. Still not sinking into his heart. It's kind of like Jesus when he said to the disciples, I have a new commandment for you. This is it. I want you to love your brothers as I have loved you. And then Peter, Jesus said, you're going to all deny me. Lord, I'll never, we'll never deny you. We'll never deny you, Lord. And he told them, I have a new commandment. Love each other. Lord, I'll never deny you. What happened? They didn't listen. They didn't understand. They, they thought, I am so zealous for God, but they didn't have the compassion of God. And when the temptation came, Peter fell, denied him. He fell. And what did he do in his discouragement? He go, I'm going fishing. He went fishing. And even in that, Jesus came to encourage him. And he said, when you are converted, go and strengthen your brothers. Encourage your other brothers. Go back. Go. I, I taught you to be a fisher of men, not to go back to, to try and comfort yourself in the things that you're, you're good at because you thought, I'm a failure. I can't do anything. Lord, forget about it. He wasn't listening because Jesus was trying to show him, Peter, when you're strong, you can do nothing. You will deny me. Sometimes that, that's what God's doing when he takes us through lessons, hard lessons. I went through some hard lessons years ago. Many, many of us brothers did hard lessons because I had this kind of zeal, but the Lord wanted me to learn something greater so that in, in, going, in having the, the power of the Spirit in us, we don't do damage. So easy to do damage. And God wants to break people before he can use them because they, much damage can happen. And sometimes he takes us through situations to break us and wound us so later on, he can fill us with the Spirit like he did with Peter. And we can be effective and have this gentle spirit where we sometimes can speak with a gentle voice instead of like a powerful, violent wind when it's not necessary. And here God's showing Elijah how he can come with such a gentle way. So he's speaking to them and he's, he's not understanding. And God tells him, look, Elijah, you, by the way, you're not the only one. There's other people out there that love me. There's 7,000. So your mind is, you got it wrong. And all that Elijah could do was focus on what he could see. Some, I've learned, even over the past while, that 
It's so easy to have speculation in my mind about what I, based on what I see. What I see, and then I, I make decisions based on what I see, and then what happens is we have expectations, and then all of a sudden my expectations aren't met because what I think. And what happens is I, that's what produces discouragement. Rather than going to the Word of God and the promises of God, and Elijah got discouraged because all this stuff that happened after this great event wasn't what he was expecting, but God knew it, and he was teaching him, Elijah, you're not the only one. You're just a man of faith. I used you. There's other people that love me. Elijah, I want you to think about why you're running away here. Don't I have the power to, to, to deliver you from this woman? Don't I have the power to help you? We need to have faith that he can deliver us from discouragement when we get tempted in those ways. And I want you to look quickly in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and what the scripture says here. We've kind of been talking about it, but So here, all these examples that we, we talked about today, we see the common theme is that when we set our eyes on those things that cause discouragement, it, does, it never delivers us from our, from our sin. And that's why Paul said, look, verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart. In other words, we don't get discouraged. Does God want us to stay discouraged? Absolutely not. Do we get discouraged? Yes, we do. But is there a way out? There is. So two things I want you to remember. One is, uh, I think it's Luke 11, where Jesus said the very same words. I just want to confirm this for you here. Uh, no, sorry, it's Luke 18. Okay, two scriptures. If you, don't, if you don't remember anything, or many things that we talked about, remember these two scriptures when you are tempted to be discouraged, okay? Luke 18, verse 1 says, and he was telling them a parable to show them at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Okay, number one, the Bible teaches us when you get discouraged, to pray. Start to pray. That's what Paul did. That's what Elijah should have done the second time. This is what Jesus did. When Jesus was tempted to his most sweating drops of blood, what was he doing in his hour of darkness and trial? He was praying to the Father. The second thing is to remember is 2 Corinthians 4, 16. When you are tempted to be discouraged, it says, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying. So in this case, Paul was even being persecuted physically, his body, sometimes physically. And the outward man, we can be seeing things perishing, whether it's sickness or many things outwardly. Okay, if, this is why I say if we, go, if, we, if we have expectations on the outward man, it, we get discouraged because those things are passing away. Yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. So why, why is it that we don't lose heart? Because we don't look at the outward man. We don't look at what I don't have. We look at what we have in Christ. We fix our eyes on Jesus. And when we look to Jesus, we remember that there's always hope. There's always hope in Jesus. And this is why. Because... Verse 17 says, for momentary, and that's a key word there. It's, he, he allows it. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3 that if necessary, we go through a time of distress in our life, if it's necessary, and God knows if it is. So there's a momentary time where God, and sometimes it might be, it might be a week, it might be a day, it might be months, it might be years of going through a big trial. 
But if you believe in God that he has a purpose in it, why don't you ask God for the revelation of what he wants? You learn it through that and keep asking and don't give up. And you know what? God will never let you down in that. I believe that. How can God ever not answer that prayer if you're asking for him to show you what the greater glory is in the inner man through this momentary affliction? Isn't this what it says here? Momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Lord, what is it in my inner man that you want to produce this eternal glory that, Lord, help me to lay hold of it. Lord, if it's just to overcome discouragement and to take courage when I battle these things so that I can encourage others, I want to learn the victory in that. It's beyond the, those momentary afflictions that what God is producing is greater than the time of discouragement. If we can lay hold of that, that's the victory. And this is how. Second thing is we look not at the things that are seen. So we pray and we stop looking at the waves. We don't look there anymore. So when our head hangs down, you and I know and everyone knows, that's discouragement, right? What happens? We look down, our head hangs down. Discouragement. But when we have hope, we lift up our heads and we pray and we look to Jesus. We look not at the things that are seen, but the things which are not seen, which means that simply it's faith. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So Paul said, even if my earthly tent's decaying, even if my body is wearing away, I'm not even. I'm not going to look at that. I'm looking at at Jesus, and I know that He's going to further clothe me, and I'm just going to groan even with prayers. It says here we can groan. That's okay. I mean, you, you might be suffering or going through some difficulty, but when you pray, sometimes it comes out because it's just a burden that you can't bear. But when you cry out to Jesus, He can bear the burden. And he, the Spirit of God knows what you're saying. And it says in Romans 8, 26, that He intercedes Jesus and brings that request to the Father and He pours out His Spirit to give you that hope, knowing that in that He's conforming you to the image of Jesus. So I know that sometimes you, when you're just at a place and you don't know the answer and you cry out, you can just feel like a burden lifted. It's like you don't know how, but you just when you cry out, you just feel like God heard your cry. And that's the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit is He will give you an assurance and encourage your soul. And that's what men of God did. David, when he was discouraged, he lost his family and, and all the men of Israel lost their family. He strengthened himself in the Lord. He cried out to God and he prayed and the Lord encouraged him. And he strengthened all his brothers, just like Jesus said to Peter. So if you're finding victories and encouragement, then continue to go and encourage other people. And if you're in the midst of the battle, then I say, remember remember what the Bible says. Pray, call on his name. Allow God to produce in you what he's desiring to do so that it glorifies him, because that's really what he wants, is to glorify the name of Jesus in these things. Amen.